Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You think about a 17-year-old Black boy, right? He gets caught with a small amount of weed. And instead of, you know, having the conversation with him and giving him a slap on the wrist and sending him on about his way, you locking him up. So now he's got a record. He can't get student loans. He's always checking the box when he goes to get, you know, mm. whatever job he can get. Right. He can't rent a decent apartment in some places. This is the collateral damage that sticks yeah. with you yeah. and that impacts your right future generations. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm talking to people from a health perspective. You know, stop letting these pharmaceutical companies come up in our church and 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 push their drugs, you know, on our on our elders when we need to be opening their minds up to plant medicine. And, and and taking back control of their health um, in this real way. So so this thing, like you said, it ain't about smoking and getting high. This is about freedom. This is about <laughs> not like being oppressed freedom. by this plant, right? And right. being, this plant is ours. Mm, mm. Comes from the motherland. Comes from the motherland. Comes from the motherland. Welcome to Wild Black a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black if black culture's there we're there if you're pissed or empowered then let's talk about it right with us on this all black everything all right welcome back family welcome back welcome back we are back in the building again with another amazing episode. You know we get high. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. But he didn't gave him a glimpse of the whole episode. So today we're going to be talking about kind of the next innovative wave of business. The new 2021 gold rush. Kind of like prohibition but so much better. Bro, so, who who are you? I get to hit you with your line, right? Who I'm, are you? I'm oh, oh, <laughs> allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Art. What's happening, family? You got Vince <laughs> with you again. Shanique, do we skip that so many times? We do. We 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 act like our listeners <laughs> already know us every time we get on the mic. They should, they better. Shit too. But oh, you know, ahead. the new ones come in though. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're the right. new the ones come in. So we gotta we gotta make them feel comfortable too. And we're going to talk about a little bit of business of marijuana and the policies around legalization. We're going to talk about what? Yeah, weed. Oh, man, I got to get prepared for this. Yeah. yeah, how do you get prepared? I can't tell y'all on the air. They ain't going off in the states. <laughs> <laughs> Every state ain't ready, but right. some states are ready. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about legalization, how to get started, get money in the business, and, and what it means. But before we hit you with our guest, I got a question for you, Vince. What you got? What do you think about starting a 
of, of weed business. Hey, man, I, my money is ready. I am right. I am looking for the right opportunity. I want to invest in the ground. Uh-huh. I want to be there at the cultivation aspect. I want to be the supplier to everything that's happening. You, hey, I'm ready. You just let me know if you find the people, and I'm ready. Look at that. I think we're going to be talking to the right person today. So our guest today, family, is Shanita Perry. And she's an entrepreneur, policy influencer, with over 15 years of experience in solving some really complex issues involving business performance across multiple industries. In 2015, Shanita took a leap of faith and founded Budding Solutions to provide business strategy. That's a dope name. Yeah. (laughs) Business strategy and policy development, consulting services to cannabis operators and policymakers nationwide. She has achieved exceptional results with positively impacting this huge cannabis industry and the greater community. She's a proud alumni and, and HBCU. Come on, uh, HBCU love. Of, of North Carolina A&T. We'll forget, Aggie pride. We'll, we'll, we'll forget that one, but <laughs> we it's, will. it's family. We will. It's, family. But it's, it's all love. It's all love. It ain't, it ain't Southern University. <laughs> or Langston <laughs> University. That's, that's what it ain't. <laughs> it's true. But it is it's love. True. It is love. I love it them all. Love. Right, right, you, right. You see how she brought us back together? Right, right. Unified. Love them all. Yes. Towns University and the University of Baltimore and lives to end the stigma associated with cannabis through her advocacy, businesses, and responsible consumption. Shanita, Shanita, he said a whole lot. What the hell does that mean? Tell these people what you do. <laughs> Let well, these people know, because right now everybody heard cannabis, weed. They're like, wait, where is it at? Yes. And I have to correct you. It's Shanita Penny, uh, because I want people to be able to find me. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yes. So thank you for having me. Um, every day, you know, I get up and I enjoy consuming cannabis. Um, it helps me live my best life. Uh, and I work to make sure that if people want to also consume, that it is accessible to them. Um, if people want to be involved in what you refer to as the gold rush or or others refer to as the green rush, I want to <laughs> help you get involved. Um, but more than anything, I want our communities that were devastated by the war on drugs uh, to benefit now and be reconciled through the tax revenue that's being generated. Mm. And so every single day, no matter what I'm doing, I'm living this thing. I'm building what I want to to see in terms of an industry, and I cannot be, you know, more fulfilled. When you talk about, and and, and we're gonna get back to to the real flow, but when you talk about tax revenue, right? You start you start using words like that. Maybe everyone doesn't get it, but you start talking about a lot of money. You start talking about a lot of greedy hands. You start talking about a lot of governmental procedure and policy. How does that fight look? What we all know and are familiar with are the deficiencies in our community, the shortcomings when it comes to education uh, and healthcare, access to healthy food. So we already know we're getting the short end of the stick when it comes to how tax revenue is spent in the community. Right. And so when we start there, we have a common purpose. Again, whether you whether you consume the plant or not, you have to get involved with legalization so that you benefit from it. Mm, mm, you know, mm, when you mm. when you start talking about tax revenue and and I don't want to talk over your head. I want you to understand that the reason, you know, your kids go to this school and they're only spending, you know, X number of dollars here is because, you know, property taxes that come from your community uh, go into this general fund. And and that's that's 
distributed, mm-hmm. not where it's needed, but just all willy nilly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so what we are saying is that you cannot legalize this plant and tax it and not, you know, pour back into the communities that you, you know, fucked up. Right, right, yeah. right. The ones who are actually paying with their lives and their time. Right, the, the lack of opportunity. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll come back to that. I just wanted to ask that question. It was selfish. It was greedy. But I want to definitely come <laughs> back and, and jump in and learn more about that. Art Brother, I'm going to let you get back to your flow, man. Hit with that wild black shit. It was, it was good timing, though, bro. Yeah, yeah, no it was, doubt. It was real no good timing. No I kind of like that. All right, wild black shit. Question number one. Get you warmed up. For the culture, the cannabis consumption culture, we got a plethora of weed and smoking songs from hip-hop, R&B, rap. If you could name three classic weed, marijuana smoking songs, <laughs> what would those three be? My first is going to be uh, Biggie Smalls. And I'm going with, uh, I got a story to tell. I'm about to go back and listen to that. You, one, oh yeah, yep. that's a you. You did go classic. Mm-hmm. What's your so? It sounds like you can sing a little bit. Oh, don't do that. Is that is that correct? <laughs> is that true? I can do that anything. Laugh says yes. Uh-huh. I can <laughs> do anything. I don't sing. And then, I, she, um, and then she said, "I can do anything." Ooh. I sing in the shower. I sing when I feel good. But uh, my my bread and butter is. Getting cannabis legalized. And <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a great pivot. A, a great right, pivot. Great right. pivot. Mm, good move. All right, what's number two? I got five on it. What you talking about? Man, yeah. Was, what you talking about? Anthem. Yes. Yes. You know it was. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a nice two. We'll go. We got two. My third would be a song that I actually, and an artist I got hip to after I got into the industry, and that's Burner. And he has this song called 20 Joints. And it was like my theme song, getting me pumped up, you know, when I was getting on that six o'clock flight uh, to fly across the country to go wherever I had to go do um, before I was really making any money in this space. And um, it was just like, um, you know, just really inspiring to hear him rap about his um, cannabis entrepreneurship. Hmm. I'm going to hey, check wait, him out. I, have to type I, him I, out. I, I don't know this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to put that one in too. By who? Burner. 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 Yep. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. Twenty was it? You said twenty four. Twenty joints. Twenty joints. Twenty joints. Okay, you you didn't put us on. So you saying that's classic? That's what you saying right now? I'm saying it became a classic for me. Okay. Name five celebrities that you immediately think about when thinking about marijuana. And you cannot say Bob Marley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Snoop. Uh, At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. 
Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, look, she's like, I got you, whatever you need. (laughs) So I'll go back to artists that may not have been associated, um, that most people didn't. I'm going to go with Jay-Z and I'm going to go with Nas. Okay. Um, Okay. Yep. I'm going to, you said I couldn't do Snoop. (laughs) So other celebrities, uh, Dave Chappelle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Whoopi Goldberg. I know Whoopi was out there like that. Oh, yeah. And Dion Warwick. Stop it! Yeah. <laughs> not, not Auntie Dion. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> what you saying over there? Right. You didn't you didn't let it out the bag. Didn't right. nobody know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I ain't telling no secrets, but I'm putting people on. You know, because people, you said don't go Bob Marley, because that's what everybody thinks. Yeah, right. And if that's not your aesthetic, if that's not your your vibe or your culture, and I don't see how it's not, but I'm just saying if it's not. <laughs> um, you know, there are so many others that you can relate to. You know, when I think of like my mom in retirement, enjoying her life, yeah. I, I, I'm like, mom. Whoopi Goldberg uses the weed cream. I'm like, Ma, you know Dionne Warwick. She she been smoking for a long time. <laughs> you know what? Now I did remember Whoopi being associated with that cream because it was a company that came out. Is she is she she's involved in the company? Isn't she? she she was involved in that company. They're no longer. Um, I don't know exactly what happened with the business, but I know that company's not uh, okay. making cannabis products anymore. Okay. Um, but she did a lot for just making it. Not like somebody got you know, out there it, on supply and ain't no more left. I got you. <laughs> right. She got it in the vault. Yeah. Like, this just for me right now. Right. Got you. All right. Third signature question. What do you love most about life while Black? You know what I love most? I love the universal experiences that we share, right? Right. Um, looking at somebody and just giving them that head nod or the eye or the side eye that, you know, yep. lets you know, yep, we were raised by people just like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were in a family just like that. We've been exposed to similar things. Um, I don't know that there are other people that have that familial um relationship to a person just you know what a black you know it's just yeah. it's just that that's yeah. what i love the most i love that about us too think of all the, the people that you met you know especially like in the hbcu experience right you got all the blackness all of it so in those four years you just get so much and you are able to work together and you support each other because it's just that universal connectivity yeah. I think it should be mandatory for everybody black to go to HBCU. Mandatory. Mandatory. Cool. Well, you know what? We're going to jump into this dope quote. So I'm going to read you a quote, and I want you to, to share with us what you think about it. It is time to tax and regulate marijuana like alcohol. It is time to end the arrest of so many people and the destruction of so many lives for possessing marijuana. And this is. Senator Bernie Sanders. What do you think? I like Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. And I like where he's going with this. The only issue, and I don't really have a lot of issues with his approach to marijuana legalization, is that we should not regulate it like alcohol. It is certainly not as dangerous as alcohol. And it is 
much more beneficial than alcohol. We can't regulate it like alcohol if that means leaving it up to state-run stores like we have with the ABC stores in some states. Mm -hmm. Um, No, we need to create opportunities for small local businesses. We need to um, continue to allow our larger businesses to grow. Um, So that's my only issue with the quote is regulating it like alcohol. If we regulate it like alcohol, you'll have Uncle Nearest, right? You know what happened with Jack Daniels and Uncle Nearest. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All these years later, the the family finally benefiting from what this, you know, former enslaved man created. And and, I mean, he had a a global impact. But they had to fight for that recognition and for what was rightfully owed to them. And let's be clear. Yeah, they they launched the brand, the new brand. Um, but that certainly just created a new revenue stream. And they, you know, just commercialized that good deed they were doing. I'm so happy that you went this direction with that a- around it not being like alcohol. It is not as dangerous as alcohol. It is like you can, the list goes on why it is a very different type of situation. Absolutely. Um, so, so in that, Tell us, tell us um, about like tell us about your work, like what you do, like day in and day out. What what is it like? Boots on the ground. How are you? How are you mobilizing to to make this a reality all across the the, the U.S. Well, my consulting business, Budding Solutions, supports entrepreneurs and business owners, um, but we also support policymakers and regulators. So my current clients include municipalities. I'm working with the city of Detroit right now on a program called Homegrown Detroit. The purpose of Homegrown Detroit is to first and foremost create um, a lane for the local folks from Detroit. If you've lived in Detroit 30 years, you get to be prioritized. You get support from the city to get, and you're first in line uh, for these cannabis businesses in Detroit. And if mm. you are low income or if you were uh, have a marijuana conviction or had a parent that had a marijuana conviction, then you have even more priority. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah. So I'm working with the cities because that's where the magic really happens, right? The state mm-hmm. legalizes it and says, here are the regulations. But to do business in a city, you have to be in good you know, have have great relationships in the hood, in the community. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's starting your business and needing the support from, from zoning officials or it's, you know, going before the church who's, you know, been in the community for 100 years and they're saying, <laughs> nah, we don't want you selling that dope around here. Right. You know, meanwhile, they popping pills because their arthritis is acting up or, yep. you know, they're, they're, they're taking... Uh, something to sleep at night instead of, you know, having some cannabis and, and sleeping good. Um, <laughs> so we you you have to um, work with the cities. And so for me, my, my clients range from getting it right from a policy and program uh, programmatic standpoint to working with the brother who has always been the weed man. And now yeah. he hears that cannabis is being legalized and wants to legitimize what he's been doing. Yeah, You know, those are the folks I want to work with. It's cool to work with these other people, too. And I do. <laughs> but I want my weed man, my former weed man, <laughs> right. to, to have a piece of yeah. this pie and also to lend his experience 
to the recipe that we are trying to get right. Because what we've done so far with legalization has benefited a few. Yeah. You know, hear, hearing that made me kind of want to, I want to I ask about the brother who's been involved in the weed game, legal, definitely when it was illegal. Where, where does he or she fit in? Like how, I know those are the people you want to work with. What can they do? How do they get involved? How do they, they flip the business from illegitimate to legitimate in the eyes of the government? How, what does that process look like? Well, if you're in a state like California, you know, it looks, it, it's much more promising, especially if you're in a city like Oakland um, mm-hmm. or if you're in Mendocino County, where mm-hmm. that's what they call the Emerald Triangle. I mean, if you've had some good, good weed that was grown in the U.S., not that brick that comes from Mexico, but if you've had some good <laughs> Um, U.S. grown weed, it usually comes from the Emerald Triangle, right. right? And so those farmers are, I mean, generations. You you meet people that are fourth generation cannabis farmers up there. Wow. And so the county has said, first of all, the state said, we're going to have a social equity program. We are going to embrace and support the legacy operators. You know, mm. let's not call them black market. That's not what they are. They are the legacy operators. Yeah. Let's bring them to the forefront so that we can you know, legitimize this thing in a real way that makes them come into the space and it doesn't keep them, right, selling in the alley. Right. Not paying taxes. Creating potential public safety issues. So let's, let's, let's work together on the policy side of things to create frameworks that are not just, um, you know, uh, desirable to big multi-million dollar companies. So the guy who's in it already, you know, he gets involved. Uh, If he's in a place like California, they're wrapping their arms around him and embracing him. If he's in Massachusetts, the state is just struggling to get folks to support social equity in a real way. So in the state of Massachusetts, they passed the law, created a program, and then you had an association. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. ...of cannabis dispensaries mm. sue the state because they have said for the first three years, delivery licenses will be available only to social equity and economic empowerment programs. So you carve out a lane for these people and then the existing industry tries to stomp them out. That's problematic. Mm. And so them people in Massachusetts said, nah, we'll boycott. We will shut you down before you stop what will be our opportunity. So, I mean, it's tough, but it's doable. You got a couple of brothers in Massachusetts that have leveraged the social equity and economic empowerment programs to get their businesses going. Um, If you're in uh, uh, Massachusetts, check out Pure Oasis, you know, Brother owns that dispensary, and I, I think it's amazing um, that he's been able to not only build his business, but also support and lift up others um, in the gap while the state and cities figure it out. What does it take to get started? I know every state 
generally has like a different, you know, set of requirements or or a different, you know, licensing and and all that. But if if let's say I'm, you know, Joey from from you know Massachusetts, and I say, hey, I really want to get in this game. What what would be the the, the steps to 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 get it started? Massachusetts understands the importance of having community support. Um, and mm-hmm. having the communities able to hold these businesses accountable. And so, you know, there you're going to look at what's happening in the city. Are there businesses, business licenses available? Uh, because in a lot of municipalities, they will limit the number of cannabis businesses Um I hope that we get to more of a free market system uh, because a lot of times what happens when you limit the licenses, yeah. you already know you got to have money to play. You got to yep. be politically connected. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's what it starts with. It starts with understanding what the opportunity is in your uh, wherever you are. And then you need to get into your government relations and your community relations. Uh, you need to then have a solid business plan that is beyond what most people think of when they think of a business plan. Because in this business plan, you need to demonstrate to the city and or state that you are going to have a secure facility, right? You don't have all this weed in here and you're getting robbed every other week. People shooting up the the, the block because you, you're there and all this. That doesn't happen. These facilities are, you know, heavily monitored. There's, you know, a strong security presence. Um, But you'll hear people in the community throw that out there as a reason to not have these businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to so you want to start working on that business plan and you need to raise money because it takes serious capital um, to get these businesses going. You know, you can get a small micro business going, you know, for for a reasonable amount of money in a place like California. But if you are in on the East Coast in these limited licensed markets, you know, you're talking about spending half a million dollars just to apply for the license. Oh my God, what? That's at risk. That means there's no guarantee. So if you don't have, right, um, full confidence in in the application that you're going to submit, you might not want to put up, you know, the, the money to go hire consultants, write the application, pay the $50,000 application fee in places. Um, we have come a long way in getting those license application fees, um, you know, decreased. We've also gone, um, you know, as far as having them become more of a, a refundable if you don't win the license yeah. or, you know, so we, we're doing the work. But these are all the things that kept a lot of people out of this industry. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, literally when you said that, right, it, it's, it, it's not a, a whole bunch of, you know, Joey's around <laughs> that just got, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a nice half a meal that's just sitting away to jump into the, the legalization of, of marijuana game. And so that, that, I mean, yeah, that's that's interesting. That, that sounds like it's, in, in some instances, not designed to allow, you know, certain individuals, certain pockets of people into that, into that market. So the, the <laughs> sounds like your work is booming right now. My work is that. booming. Hey, Shanita. Yep. I want to ask a question about like the ecosystem of, of cannabis, right? And I know I'm changing directions completely. Apologize. But this is something I've, I've been sitting with, right? If, if there are roughly 330 million people in this country and cannabis use or marijuana use, admitted use is around 100 million. That's just the people that admitted it, right? Mm-hmm. 
that's already a third of the population. And we know that if 100 million admitted it, the number of participants is significantly higher, That's right? 200 million. Right. Exactly. So we'll stick with the stats and say one-third of all the adults, all the people in the country. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Have smoked weed have interact, interacted with a cannabis product. And then when we go and we flip and we look at jail time, arrests, black folks comprising someplace between 125 and 14% of the population are arrested at almost four times that of any other race, specifically white Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So as we, as we look at that kind of waterfall of data around usage, punishment. And then when you overlay what's happening now with the legalization, with the government taxation, with the company, private company, public company profits, because now they are putting cannabis in wine and food and they're doing all these different things with it, including medicines and creams and rubs, right? It's, it's, it's everywhere at this point. What, what's happening and, and what's going on in your world to kind of right side that that horribly misweighted calculation, right? That that's almost four times likely to be arrested, and I'm not even talking about the sentencing, right? And, and the jail time, and if we start playing with those numbers and looking at what that what that labor time and man hours truly looks like versus what's happening now, we hadn't even gotten there. Talk to me about that ecosystem and the work that you're doing in that place? I love this question. Um, So thank you for for framing that so well, right? We're using at about the same, you know, pace. We're being arrested and and then sentenced disproportionately higher and more. Um, And then we make up and the number that they're throwing around today is, you know, around 4% of ownership in the cannabis industry today. So what we know is that in New York City, that 3.5% of businesses are owned by Black folks. Mm. So so we are historically left out of, you know, access to capital. We've been Mm -hmm. impacted uh, with the criminal justice system. And so all of these play a, a factor and have created additional barriers to entry for getting into the industry. So... Over the last several years, I've been working at every level, municipal, state, and federal, to ensure that we try to level the playing field. So, you know, years ago, if you had a cannabis possession charge or and or you went to jail, you know, you had to navigate getting that expunged and or, you know, your record sealed in some states where expungement doesn't exist, but you had to navigate that on your own. Mm-hmm. The work that we've done is, is to create model legislation that includes addressing expungement just as a, as a, as a day one. Mm. We are legalizing this. We are going to take the burden off the people that have already been victimized. Right. 
Okay, so we're, we, we've done that work. We've created model policy. We have um, Congresswoman Barbara Lee out of California who introduced the respect resolution a number of years ago. I then took that piece of legislation or that resolution rather um, and created a model bill. I took people that were business owners, people that were policymakers, doctors, um, lawyers, every stakeholder possible. We put them in a room and we said, what does ideal legislation look like? I said, let's go pie in the sky. In this room today, it doesn't matter that the banking system is against us. It doesn't matter that, you know, redlining exists. Right. It doesn't matter that we as Black women are the fastest growing group of, of, of business owners in this country, but are the least capitalized. Yeah. Right, right, right. So we created created that model legislation. And, and once you give people, you know, once you give people tools, they go to work. Yeah. And no so doubt. we are in the communities at every level. Like I said, municipal, we're at the state houses. We are on Capitol Hill um, fighting. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For equitable policy. So what we are looking at right now is the opportunity to see real um, federal policy for the first time. Um, The MORE Act was introduced last year um, and, uh, you know, passed the House. And now it goes to the the Senate this year. And uh, my work is to go back and make sure that, again, folks aren't left out. We don't want an additional federal license that's just going to create, again, another burden, another barrier. And we know y'all don't play fair either. Right, right. 100%. Yeah. So 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 we start with policy and we make sure that we are not only getting it right from a cannabis perspective, but then all the other things that it touches. We have a, a piece of banking legislation called the Safe Banking Act. You know, yeah. folks that are in this space are struggling, you know, because of the fact that this is still federally illegal. And so it affects our banking. It affects our tax you know, situation. It affects our ability to access programs like the PPP program, even though we are essential businesses. Uh, so, so that's the work we're doing to try to level the playing field. And again, that's uh, that more act. It includes, you know, expungement for the folks that have the federal cannabis charges. Right. It yeah. includes money to states so that they can set up expungement programs at the state level. It includes money for states and municipalities that want to support Black-owned businesses, that want to support businesses that are owned by the legacy operators. Um, So that work is, it really begins with with the policy. Um, But then we've got to also, yo, we got to work together. Nothing Mm. in this industry happens alone. Mm. And we're up against some big fish. Mm, so yeah. if black folks don't come together, then guess what? We're going to keep on being tokenized. All right, mm. we'll take one black person over here so we look good, so we look diverse. Mm. 
Um, but that's not meaningful. That right. does not impact our community. All right. So first, I've got a ton of questions from what you just said, and I'm, I'm going to try to work through them. But the first thing that I think is important is, and hopefully people listening got that, but I'm going to ask you to give them a little bit more in case they didn't. This is bigger, much bigger than your right to smoke in your living room, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. This is way Absolutely. bigger than your ability to, to buy marijuana and enjoy it, right? If anything, Absolutely. if anything, that's the trick, right? Because the reality is this is big business. This is governmental policy. This, ha- this has to do with, 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 with the global dollar, right? Yes. This is the globalization of an industry. Yeah, while they, while they Exactly. While they, they lure us to sleep with the ability, yeah, you niggas go, go have your little joint, right? Yep. So if I, if I wanted to add context to that for our listeners, if I wanted them to understand how much more is at risk, and, and the risk in this case is not of you losing more, but the risk is, is of you being excluded from what's coming next, <laughs> right? Locked out. Mm-hmm. How can you convey that to them so that people can understand it's bigger than your right to smoke? Go get educated. Go get involved. Go get a piece. Right? How can right. you contextualize that a little bit? I know it's a big question. It, it is a big question, but, you know, I break it down for my audience. If I'm talking to Black business owners, if they're familiar with, you know, leveraging uh, supplier diversity programs and, and government contracts for, for minorities, then I'm talking to them on that level. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, hey, let's put together, you know, a best in class team, go after mm-hmm. one of these licenses. And you know what we've got? You know what our weapon is, our secret weapon is that we also happen to be black. Mm. But thinking that you're going to get it and be successful because you're black. No, that's the trick. That is the trick bag. (laughs) You know, you got folks in California that qualify for these social equity programs, right? And I'm up here boosting California up, talking about how they're embracing us. But what they did was create an environment that was ripe for predatory partnering, Mm. for for damn near sharecropping Mm. what what is the cannabis industry. So we have to, so I have to talk to people on their level. If I'm talking to somebody who, you know, daddy was locked up, um, they've struggled because of that. You know, mom was was struggling, so they don't, they didn't have the best education um, opportunities or even, you know, haven't done a lot in terms of building real wealth, right? How do you start a business with no money? Right, right. Right? You, you, you become a target because you have this license now, this thing that somebody with money sees value in, but they know as soon as they, you know, uh, dangle a $100,000 check in your face, you're going to take it. Yeah. Buy mm-hmm. a Cadillac, buy some weed, and your money's gone. Your capital's gone. Yep. Meanwhile, in, in L.A., you had folks that were, you know, blowing through their life savings, sitting on property just because you cannot help the delays that come with starting a new industry. Yeah. And and then getting hit by a pandemic. So you have folks yeah. that, you know, basically took a, a a little check. And when their money was gone, the company had fulfilled their promise. And they let you just, you know, fall by the wayside. Mm. You have people that were actually worse off trying to go after this dream than they were coming into it. So if I'm talking to, you know, folks that are working in schools with youth, you know, one of the things I really try to talk to folks about is, you know, being open-minded. 
I had a good friend who was a teacher and she used to complain about this kid always coming to school smelling like weed. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, that might not even be him. He might be, that might be his household. Mm-hmm. But he's still getting up and coming to school every day. Like, right. you know, we, we got to start thinking about yeah. this differently. And we yeah. got to think about the, the collateral damage that folks often forget about. When you talk about a kid at 17 getting caught with a joint you, you heard up that yeah, I, I saw that. I heard that. that. I, yeah, Go ahead. I, I, matter of fact, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I visualized it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> so you, you think about a 17-year-old black boy, right? He gets caught with a small amount of weed. And instead of, you know, having the conversation with him and giving him a, a, a slap on the wrist and sending him on about his way, you locking him up. So now he's got a record. He can't get student loans. Yeah. He's always checking the box when he goes to get, you know, mm. whatever job he can get. Right. He can't rent a decent apartment in some places. This is the collateral damage that sticks yeah. with you yeah. and that impacts your right future generational future generations. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm talking to people from a health perspective. You know, stop letting these pharmaceutical companies come up in our church and 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 push their drugs, you know, on our on our elders when we need to be um opening their minds up to plant medicine and 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 taking back control of their health um in this real way. So so this thing, like you said, it ain't about smoking and getting high. This is about freedom. Yes, indeed. I like this it. is about I not like being oppressed freedom. by this plant, right? And being right. this plant is ours. Mm-hmm. Comes from the motherland. I really like I'm not gonna be able to keep up with all my questions, right? You mentioned look at things differently. And then I don't even remember what the, the term you just used. It was plant something, plant something. It'll come back to me. But I, yeah, plant, plant medicine. medicine, plant medicine. Thank you, Why he uh, got in my ear. Like she said, plant medicine, brother. She said plant medicine. <laughs> Teamwork, man. <laughs> right, Teamwork. right, right, right. <laughs> but looking at things differently, plant medicine, right? Things that people may not be thinking about. I would love your input on how more holistically the black community could look at the cannabis industry differently. Because right now, everyone gravitates toward what they know, which is how to sell. So they, mm-hmm. they, they immediately redirect toward, if I'm going to go legal, I want to go the dispensary route. Right. But there's a ton right. of other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Talk to people exactly. about the industry as opposed to the retail exchange. Like, what, what else is there? Right. So... You said it earlier. You want to be at the top of the supply chain. You want to be the right, cultivator, the supplier. So, so that's what we have to embrace is getting in where you fit in because this industry needs everybody. Right. Okay. So if you if your thing is cultivation and you want to now think about it, if you're going to compete. Now, we're not talking about your basement grow. We're not talking about that little closet that you had back in the day. This These are state-of-the-art facilities. Yeah. You are making plant medicine. So these have to be, you know, manufacturing, food manufacturing, pharmaceutical mm-hmm. grade type facilities, right? This ain't the flower and pot it, in your back room. Exactly. Now, there is certainly a place for that because I believe everyone should have the ability to grow their own medicine. Mm-hmm. I like growing tomatoes and watermelons. I want to grow weed too wherever I live. And I, I heard you smile when you said that. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> and so... We, we have to think about all of the opportunities. Remember, folks did not get rich finding gold. The mm-hmm. folks that were selling picks and shovels mm-hmm. got rich. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you have to think about. If you're an HVAC, um, if you own a business that, that does that kind of work, HVAC yeah. or any other kind of general contracting... 
Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you hear that cannabis is coming to your... At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Your community, or if you have the ability to expand your business to support it somewhere else, that's where you you get in where you fit in. Yeah. And and when you bring that expertise and that value, now you're able to leverage, you know, your demonstrated track record in the business community. Right. 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 And and you look good compared to that cannabis company that's coming from out of the out of state that don't know nobody, ain't never done nothing for the community, never hired. So, yes, you need to start thinking about how you can support. I mean, financial services, right. uh, real estate. That's a big one. And yeah. we have real estate, yes, you know, um, stop losing your grandmama's house. And say and, that again. And these, Please tell them right? again. the land. We you do, There's never going to be any more land. So. Being able to be a property owner in this industry is amazing because guess what? In a lot of places, you have to secure your property to even apply. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, so we're sitting on a lease, you know, or in some places where they recognize that this should not be, you know, a get rich quick for the, for the landlords. They've said, all right, a letter of intent will do. Um, but in a lot of places, you got people that, that own property for Two, three years until they're able to actually generate revenue. Right. So real estate is important. If you are a medical professional and you have a passion for this plant, become an educator. Everybody needs to know how mm. cannabis can have, uh, help them right. uh, from a wellness and uh, preventative uh, angle, right. as well as helping people understand how they can integrate and sometimes replace and cut back other pharmaceuticals yeah. um, with, you know, properly guided medical cannabis. I'm not telling you to stop taking your diabetes medicine because your nephew has that fire. Please don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but I will encourage you to talk to a cannabis um, expert, a medical professional who's who's taken on the initiative to learn about this plant and, and really supports their patients using yeah. it. Because yeah. you have to talk about this in a real way. If you're going to the dentist, if you're going in to have any kind of surgery and you smoke two blunts because your nerves were bad, guess what? Your ass is going to wake up mid-surgery. Mm. But people educated. don't know that. They trying to stay in the closet. Don't nobody want, don't nobody, you know, don't want nobody to know they smoke weed. Right. Mess around and lose your life. Yeah. Education is key. Speaking of education, again, you said so many things that I want to get back to. So <laughs> I, I wanna I wanna go back to the policy aspect. You talked about the respect resolution, the Moore Act, the Safe Banking Act. Take just a second and talk about each of those, or, or even holistically, right, the direction that they go. And then the more important piece to that question is, how can the everyday person both get more educated and then get more involved? 
in the legality portion, the policy portion, the legalization portion? Oh, yeah. So the respect resolution, we, we've done what we're going to do with that, because like I said, we used it. It wasn't an actual piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. So it was just saying, hey, if you're at a state level or even, hey, federal government, when we work on this, these are the things we need to keep in mind and, and work to achieve. So we've done what we're going to do with that. And we have an amazing partner in, um, in, in Representative Barbara Lee. I mean, just just in all things black. Okay, Come on, come on Barbara. Um, come on. <laughs> Uh, so I, I just love her and the work she's done. But the but the MORE Act is important because, again, what we're going to get with the MORE Act is descheduling of cannabis. So it doesn't mean that in Mississippi, where they haven't legalized it yet, that it's going to be legal. No, it just means that there's no federal prohibition anymore. OK, what we also get with the MORE Act, again, is that expungement of the federal cannabis uh, crimes. Uh, what we also get is a 5% tax that is going to fund, um, you know, work entry, substance abuse programs, uh, workforce development, I said work entry, workforce development, um, capital for businesses and other community initiatives that are, uh, this is just, again, tax revenue going to the communities that were most impacted. Right. So the MORE Act is important. Um when it gets to the Senate, what we have to make sure of is that we remove the language, the language around the federal licensing uh, and that we ensure that it is as equitable as we right. have been working to make it. Right. Right. Safe banking is my favorite piece of legislation because I know it's going to pass. Talk Everybody about that needs money. It. Everybody needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's long overdue. The one wonderful thing that we get from the Safe Banking Act is visibility on who's getting the money that will then become available, right? So Mm -hmm. now capital flows into the cannabis industry. Now, we didn't go and get this safe banking just for white folks to be able to get their businesses going. We want a report day one that shows the number of black uh, uh, cannabis businesses. Uh, We want to see in, you know, six months how many of those businesses have had increased access to banking and capital. So Mm -hmm. we want that government accountability uh, and oversight from the Safe Banking Act. Um, And then... Is there enforcement that comes out of that? (laughs) Man. (laughs) (laughs) The banks still having... You know, they still get away with treating us the way they do. This shit is institutional. They do. Right. So we 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 are fighting for that. And that is what you know, our champions are, are, that's where they will be helpful. So Joe Biden this week, having an entire day focused on racial equity, we're going to point to that when we're talking about any kind of cannabis legislation. He has set the standard, you know, now saying from the federal government, this is what we're going to do. So I can appreciate being here with him in office doing this work because we certainly weren't getting that from Republicans right. over the last several years. <laughs> right. You know what? So I was kind of, I, I like the money piece too. I, I mean, I, I kind of just love that, the whole thought process of it being a stream of revenue that we can generate for us. In the, it, when you think about, like there's a delineation between like state and federal regulations, right? As it relates to legalization of in the ability to, to, to actually have dispensaries and, and have like a fully, 
you know, uh, uh, a, a business around cannabis. What can you can you maybe lay some clarity around like the difference between like federal and state? Okay. So the federal, so it is illegal. Cannabis is illegal. It is a Schedule One substance. Um, and that's a contradiction because the federal government also has a patent for the medicinal value uh, of cannabis, uh, a few of them, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so we know this is just the government being the government, right? So it's federally illegal. Right. That's it. So now the state, Colorado, Washington State, Oregon, California, Nevada, uh, New Jersey, Alaska, these places, Massachusetts, these places have said, and, and a few more, it's 15 total states in the District of Columbia uh, that have legalized cannabis. And what they said was, we're changing our state constitution to now legalize this for either medicinal or for adult use. And they operate within the state. The federal government has basically put provisions in place, various amendments that say we won't spend department of money sending to the Department of Justice, you know, after state compliant legal businesses. Really? The DEA cannot come after. Yes. And it protects medical businesses. So these adult use businesses are taking a huge chance. And what's interesting here is that you have to remember, the larger the company, the less risk it really is for them because they have all the people in place to make sure that they are state level compliant and that the federal government stays off their back. Mm-hmm. What becomes a problem is when people hear something and think that, oh, I, I think it's legal here or they halfway know the law and they're going to make a bit. You, no, you can't do that. You have to understand your state law mm-hmm. and then you have to understand your, if applicable, your local laws and be licensed and have as many licenses as they, you know, require to operate these businesses. Mm-hmm. So the state licenses typically are merit-based competitive application processes. In a state like Oklahoma, they decided to try something new. Let's just see what happens when we let people start businesses and 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 have a what looks like a free market. Yeah. And so Oklahoma was on fire. I mean, there were thousands of cannabis businesses and they slowly started phasing in new requirements. And so they are starting to, you know, folks are starting to fall off. Folks can't, you know, keep up. Um, But I think it's a smart approach to, you know, figuring out how we do this well. We just saw the state of Arizona go from medical to adult use in three months. That's the fastest that we've seen it happen. (laughs) Right. And it's because those existing medical operators got to be adult use operators day, you know, three months later. Yeah. Um, but that's not a good thing First, you know, the brother out in Arizona that's like, oh, I want to get involved because right. now he's coming to the game late. Now he's got to go find the supply if he's not going to be his own supply. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But now you're going from 500000 or a million dollars to start up a dispensary to now needing, you know, four, five, six times that to have 
a grow operation and then be able to retail it. But mm. we do have to be in more positions of ownership. And we have to understand that there are so many avenues to getting into this space that may not even require you to get licensed by the state. So, you know, playing that real estate role, um, providing professional services and investing in these companies, they don't necessarily require you to be licensed. Now, if you mm-hmm. want to get into transport in some places, which I think is a very um, low, you know, low capital to get started. Um, we already own trucking oh, companies. Idea. We already do a lot of that. So I say get in where you fit in. That's yeah. a hell of an idea. So I heard this thing about you cannot use the banking system mm. when you deal in a marijuana-based business, right? Or a cannabis-based business. How does the money work? Is that real? Man, I went to swipe my card today and my card declined. And you know, I was like, no, 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 swipe it again. Swipe it again. <laughs> and she was like, mm-hmm. it declined. <laughs> and she had an attitude. <laughs> so I give her my other card, get out of there, and I get home and I call my, I call Capital One because I'm calling y'all out. I call Capital One. And What's I'm in like, your wallet? Is that Capital One? <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, still, nothing, like, damn it. You declined my shit. <laughs> Ain't nothing in my wallet. Yo, they closed my account. What? They closed my credit card account. Yes. What was the That's justification? That's how hard it is. Man, they, sometimes they don't even give you... They'll tell you that you violated their um, agreement. You, you, you violated the terms of the agreement because you are a cannabis business. It's federally illegal. Stop they have like it. some, some of these banks have, yeah, man, um, this is personal because this happened today. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Look, and you still here and with it, us. You know how much we appreciate you. We do. I'm glad you're okay, the, the card. I, yes, I, me too. Well, I, and I'm actually very used to it. I mean, it's the same thing when you're running a business online yeah. or you're, or you have a retail operation. These things happen very regularly. So one of the things I tell my client and we work on our, you know, contingency situations for banking, for, for merchant processing, for all of that, because it's federally illegal, what banks have to do is essentially audit every transaction. So what you typically pay, you know, $30 a month for a bank account, just regular checking, a cannabis business will pay $4,000 and they don't Damn. even have full yeah, a month. They hmm. don't even have full access to, you know, credit lines and, yeah. and checks and things Damn. like that, right? Because they touch the Federal Reserve, because they touch, you know, um, the, things are FDIC insured, things are... Um, Credit card companies, like I said earlier, don't mess with the cannabis industry. So we have to have some federal banking reform. We have to have federal tax reform because while you're talking about banking, because here's the thing, these banks will take your $4,000 a month and let you basically launder your money. I bet not see um, nobody right. from Capital One smoking. Shit. Nothing. Nothing. Banking is a challenge. And if you think that's a, if that's a doozy, Taxes are another one. Yeah, I mean, right. How do you pay federal taxes? When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. So, you, oh, they take their taxes. So you can you can See? you can bring that money to them any time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll come pick it up. Um, they will meet you literally, meet you at the bank. I mean, that's how it's crazy. They take our money but won't really support us in a real way. Um, and I was going to say that the taxes it's a very real thing. And that's why this is not attractive to a lot of legacy operators, because to get into this space and not be able to write off ordinary business expenses because you're a cannabis company, that's crazy. Write off like no, no, not in a lot of. I mean, not for a lot of businesses, and it doesn't make any sense at at the same damn time. Right? Imagine when the wildfires were you know, tearing through California and Washington and Oregon this summer. Imagine having paid $500,000 in state, local, state, and federal taxes over the last three years you've been in business to have your dispensary wiped out by a fire. Insurance company won't help you because they can basically just sell you a dream. You can pay premiums and then can't even file a complaint. It's crazy out here for us, but we've been deemed essential they're looking at cannabis as a as a as a therapy for the COVID um for COVID. Yeah. But but won't even treat us like the good businesses that we are. It's Tax the craziest hands, shit I've it's heard. It's the craziest all shit week. ever. Mm-hmm. And and I'm on their asses this year. So, because hold everybody on. So the federal government says, no, it's illegal. The states might let you do it. We ain't fucking with you. No, we ain't giving you this money. No, we're gonna come after you. But you better pay us quarter. But quarterly. you better give us some taxes. But on them, on them illegal dollars, we want these taxation law. We want That's this money. That's right. And you haven't written anything off. So you effectively taxed anywhere from 70 to sometimes 100%. And you, you ain't getting get no a, government a write-off. Relief. You ain't getting support. Can't get no relief. You, yeah. How they the turning fuck? down vets for home loans, for mortgages. They turning down vets for insurance because they want to get into the cannabis industry, because they work for legal cannabis businesses. Yeah. How, okay. So, and, and this is squarely where you, where you live, right? How do we affect change? How do we yeah. create a different system? I'm on their asses this year. <laughs> All you've heard municipalities and states and the federal government talk about is tax dollars, tax yep. dollars, tax dollars. Well, great. Let me Let's tell you what it. we need in return. We need you to pour into these communities. Illinois just dropped, I think it was like $250 million, um, into like a crazy number of organizations that are working in our community to make sure kids aren't hungry, to make sure kids are, you know, have good after-school programs, to make sure they have job training and educational opportunities, to make sure healthcare is in the community. NAACP got some money for whatever they're doing. I mean... Illinois broke the people off. And that's because they legislated for mm. it. The, the, the consumer showed up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny that we're talking about a billion dollars in sales in Illinois. We're talking about a billion dollars in tax revenue in California. So think of the, the scale and the size of what California's market could do for the communities. You know, L.A., Oakland, all the places in between that we've been, again, oppressed. Yeah. And 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 just beat down and neglected. Nah, y'all got to come correct. All right, so I've Run got to ask the question. My money, right, please <laughs> run that check. Matter of fact, because I'm be cash. I'm really, I'm really struggling with. Uh, and I said it once: federally, still illegal, legalized state. So you're not getting any federal assistance. You're not getting write-offs. You're not getting any of that. They're taking their taxes, and people are still locked up. And people are still right. locked up. Absolutely. So, 
they're still getting free labor. I mean, it's like, yep. I'm like, I'm really struggling with this. So, okay, let, let me let me ask this question. All right, in what rooms, in what ways, are these decisions mm-hmm. being made? Who who are the people making these decisions? Like, where is this happening at? Well, I can tell you. In the, you know, several years ago in places like Florida, it was happening in back, the conversations were happening in back rooms between a handful of people. In Florida, one of the requirements they made for getting into the medical cannabis industry was that you had to be in the commercial (sighs) nursery business for 30 years. So there was, there were six guys that got together like, yo, we got 30 years of nursery experience. So what? Oh, yeah. And 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 that's where it starts. So now we've we're we've we've definitely made progress. Mm-hmm. We've definitely made progress to now opening up that process and making it much more transparent. New York has not legalized yet because they have not found a way to first and foremost commit to uh, investing in the communities, and then secondly, they're trying to figure out how they do. Um, licensing in a real, meaningful, impactful way to, first and foremost, embrace the legacy market there, because that's a real, real thing. Um, And to ensure that, you know, the existing medical operators have an opportunity to continue to thrive or to thrive, but that they're not locking everybody else out. So they've been, they've been at a standstill on this for two years. Now, Andrew Cuomo needs what? Tax revenue. So he's like, we're going to get this done this year. We're going to get it done. And he's got pressure because New Jersey legalized. And he's got pressure because Pennsylvania and Connecticut, all these places where his tax dollars could easily go over the border. Mm -hmm. These places are for the first time actually working collaboratively. So you don't have states working in silos, not caring about what's happening next to them or above or below them. You got the Northeast working in collaboration to get this right. So we need to be in our, you know, city and, and state elected officials' ears saying what we want in terms of cannabis programming, how we're spending cannabis tax revenue. Uh, we need to make sure that we begin to hold these companies accountable that have committed to our communities, that have committed to, you know, uh, paying livable wages and haven't done it. Uh, we, we need to be in the rooms calling out these companies um, and stop just accepting crumbs. You know, mm. it ain't enough to see one black cannabis company. Right. And it sure ain't enough to see one black dispensary selling all the white boys' product. America is so good at being on some bullshit, some yeah. real fuckery. And, and, just, and nobody knows. Right. And they just keep that shit <laughs> real quiet. Yeah. Because we out here distracted by the shiny shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Shanita, we could have this conversation all day. I have no doubt that our listeners have have gained a lot of information. I'm sure many of them are sitting with their mouths wide open, much as I have been throughout this episode, especially with this sinister-ass bullshit we just went through at the end, because (laughs) sinister Mm -hmm. is the only word for that. But we are bumping up against time. I want to be respectful of your time, our listeners' time. And I want to do one thing that we always do. At the end of every episode, we hand the mic over to our guest and we give you the time to tell everyone listening anything that's on your heart and mind to share with them, the points you want them to know. We just ask that you include how they can catch up with you, how they can follow you, how they can support you. 
And with that, we'll turn the mic over to you, ma'am. Well, thank you. You know, I just really want all Black people to find a positive relationship with this plant in whatever way um, it manifests. Uh, This plant has oppressed our people for so long, and we finally have a chance to not only um, reconcile what's been done, but to thrive in the future if we work together. And so I want folks to understand how you know, a thriving cannabis industry might support education or whatever lane you're in. I want you, you know, to find me. And if I can't help you, my network can certainly help you. Um, My website is buddingsolutions.net. You can find me on Instagram at buddingsolutions or Penny underscore. Um, I'm always happy to connect, always happy to build. Um, I just really ask that uh, we try to do better as a people, because if we aren't aligned, if we aren't united, we will be taken advantage of Mm. as it relates to um, this opportunity. Uh, And we can't have that. This really affords us the opportunity to show how we should be living equitably, how we should be legislating equitably. This is so much bigger than cannabis. But this green, this plant, it really does allow us to kick down doors and have conversations about, you know, racial um, disproportionate application of the criminal justice and, and everything else, all of the other racial injustices. So I want us to unite around this plant for whatever that means for you. And um, I really appreciate being here, being home to talk about this. Home, we appreciate you. Real talk, real talk. You can come home anytime. Right, right. Brother Art, you got anything? (laughs) (laughs) Got to get my research game up because I need to get in the the fight because it is real. I got you. This was something. Listen, uh, Wild Black, all, all I got to tell you, smoke on with your boy has a different meaning to me after this conversation. <laughs> I hope you all paid attention. I hope you get some education. I hope you get some involvement, right? Because at the, at the end of the day, what we're seeing happen is the establishment of a new industry. And there are availabilities for you. There are places for you to fit in. Like Shanita said, get in where you fit in. Go figure that out. Fight your way in. Get educated. And then help somebody else out, right? Don't let this ship take off without us because they all have before now. Let's be involved here. With that, Wild Black, we love you. Peace. We out. We out. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.